now. Mad as Hell in America with Adam Klugman. You've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. My life has value. Portland's Talk, AM 620, KPOJ. I want you to get up right now and go to the window and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. Mad as hell in America, Jesse Singer filling in for the Klugman. One more week while he's on a speaking engagement in Humboldt County. If you're down there watching the Klugman, well, lucky you. And if you're listening today, I promise you're in for a real treat. Today's show, I promise you, will open your mind to an underworld of which is truly stranger than fiction. Fear tactics, psychological manipulation, physical intimidation, assault, torture, denial of medical attention leading to death, encouraged abortions, families broken up, being deemed enemies. Sounds like words to describe your typical church? Well, I hope not. But these are some of the terms associated with the Church of Scientology when you talk to a rapidly growing number of its ex-members. Now, the brave members that have literally escaped from its gigantic compounds spread out across this country and abroad. I'm talking about from Florida to Australia, from Hollywood to Germany. You can hear a disturbing tale from an ex-Scientologist that backs up the claims of so many others speaking about the same things. What is also disturbing is how many people are afraid to discuss or speak out against the church. Intimidation tactics used in a mafioso-like fashion is spoken about. Many talk hosts won't even go near this subject for fear of reprisal. I've personally spoke to some close friends this week that seem to think I may be in trouble for doing this show today on Mad as Hell in America. But they also know I don't scare easily. In fact, if you know me, one thing I hate is a bully. Now, the IRS has concluded that the Church of Scientology is operated exclusively for religious and charitable purposes. Now, I want to know what individuals are behind approving this within the Beltway, first of all. In the United States, Scientology is officially recognized as a religion. Throughout the states, government ministers of the religion are entitled to minister immigration status by State Department and Immigration and Naturalization Services decisions finding that Scientology is a bona fide religion. As noted in a 1996 State Department record release persistent to the Freedom of Information Act, the United States government position is that the Church of Scientology is as much of a church as the Catholic Church or any other commonly recognized church. No tax. Scientology? Really? This mystery seems to keep unfolding like a house of cards. And just a few weeks ago, a woman named Debbie Cook, a former high-ranking member of the Scientology's Sea Org, and captain at the flagship service organization in Clearwater, Florida, testified under oath about the vicious treatment of people, including herself. It reads like a movie that is almost too crazy to believe. 
But these people are now many. So are the children of this organization. Let's play the clip. I'm Debbie Cook, captain of the Flag Service Organization. For 17 years, Debbie Cook was one of Scientology's highest ranking insiders. But according to her court testimony, in June of 2007, she was forcibly taken to The Hole, located here on Scientology's international base in California. It was, she says, a place for Scientology executives who had fallen out of favor with the leader of the church, David Miscavige. Cook testified she was in the hole for seven weeks, that she and the other executives were fed a sort of slop, that the place was crawling with ants, and that the temperature at times reached 106 degrees. What did you do all day? Most of the time, the activities were either you confessing um, your own sins or bad things that you've done or getting another person to confess theirs. People are screaming at you and in some cases sometimes you're made to stand in a trash can and water's poured over you. That happened to you? Yes. Did you break down at all? I did, yeah, I did. The church denied our repeated requests for an interview. However, their lawyer sent ABC News a letter saying flat out the hole does not exist and never has. The letter did say that Cook voluntarily participated in their program of religious discipline, but that she was not taken there by force or held against her will, and that her account of what went on is inaccurate and misleading. In her court testimony, Cook says several months after she left the hole, she decided to leave her position in church management. Now, everyone knows many of the stars who've been Scientology members for years. Tom Cruise, of course, Travolta, Kirstie Alley, Ann Archer, Beck, Isai Morales, Giovanni Ribisi, Jason Lee. The list is a who's who for sure. The voice of Bart Simpson, for Christ's sake. Bart is a Scientologist. Now, many know of the famous Scientology Celebrity Center located right in the heart of Hollywood. I used to pass by it every day. A building just for the elite to gather and do what? I'm blown away with these stories. I'm blown away and how the celebrities have kept silent about this. How can this be true, one might ask? How would people like Tom Cruise put up with such horrible tactics and treatment of these Scientology sheep? He seems like such a good guy. I still don't get it. What I do know is that the leader of Scientology is a feared and obviously dangerous man. His name is Davis Miscavige. And to my knowledge, he has only done one interview to date that I can find on YouTube. It's a Ted Koppel Nightline piece that is still an amazing, not-to-be-missed interview. The stories of this man physically beating Scientology executives, physically beating during boardroom meetings, made my head spin. My guests today know the truth because one of them was not only abused personally by the CEO of Scientology, David Miscavige, but he was also a marketing whiz for them for years. He finally ran to a sane place called Portland. Jefferson Hawkins will be here live in the studio to try and make some sense of all of this, what's happened with Debbie Cook and this house of cards that's seemingly coming down, I hope so. We don't know, but we're going to try to make some truth out of this. Also joining us via Los Angeles is Mark Bunker, the Obi-Wan Kenobi to the group Anonymous. 
who has been responsible for dozens of Scientology protests, creating awareness around the globe relating to crimes, criminal crimes being committed by the church. So today, let's dive into a world of secrecy and clandestine operations that would make any Hollywood agent start to drool. Today, we explore the Church of Scientology 2012, its executive command, and I promise you this, if you thought this was just all about nice young kids offering free personality tests, you're in for a real shocker. Scientology, a deep dive. Let's get granular and let us never fear the truth. I'm Jesse Singer filling in for Adam Klugman. Welcome to Mad as Hell in America. We'll be right back with our guest, Jefferson Hawkins. Klugman is dynamite. Klugman is Klugman. Okay, we are back. If that didn't get your attention, then you need to wake up, pour some hot water on your head, get a cup of coffee, and get ready. Jefferson Hawkins worked for the Church of Scientology for more than 30 years. Most of that time as a senior marketing executive. The man knows what he's talking about. He was the brains behind the successful Dianetics campaign of the 1980s. He left Scientology in 2005 and now works as a graphic designer and artist in Portland. He also has a fantastic book that everyone listening needs to pick up if you really want to learn about one man's journey into and out of the world of Scientology. Welcome to the program, Jefferson Hawkins. Thanks, Jesse. Thanks for having me. Well, it's really great to have you here. And I think what people first need to know, and I'm going to play a clip that is a good intro to who you are a little bit, but just the fact that how hard it is to break away from the church and we're just starting to get little bits of information throughout the years and trying to put together the pieces to the puzzle that this is, from what I can see, a criminal organization. Would you not agree? I, I would agree, yeah. Okay, so let's do this. Let's go ahead and play a, the uh, Jeff clip and give this audience a good background on some of the things that came after he left the church. Nearly a dozen former church members came forward to tell us their accounts of what happens inside the church's world headquarters in Hammett. Jeff Hawkins was the church's former marketing director. Uh, it's a combination of fear and faith because anybody who's in Scientology is there because they believe. Uh, it's a very fundamentalist uh, sort of cult. They believe that, they're, uh, that, they're, that the teachings of Scientology are the only way to spiritual salvation. So they feel that they have to toe the line, otherwise they will, not be, they will not be saved spiritually. But if things are so bad inside church headquarters, why don't people just leave? Technically, they could get up and they could walk out and nobody could legally stop them, but you don't know that. And you are kept under watch by security people 24 hours a day. 
The Church of Scientology has its own intelligence department. It's part of the Sea Organization. It's called the Office of Special Affairs. Documents show how they use church e-meters to question those suspected of wanting to leave the Hemet headquarters. And I was received what they call security checks, where they go on and on. What have you done? What have you done? What are your crimes? What are your crimes? And they just go on for, and I had this for weeks, for about six weeks of just every day. What are your crimes? What are your crimes? What have you done? What have you done? And so and they try to, they try to guilt you into backing off. But I finally said, I'm out of here. I, I am leaving. And people ask me, why did you stay so long? But the fact of the matter is, in order to leave, I had to, I had to leave all my friends. I had to leave my wife. I had to leave my job. I had to leave my religion. I had to leave my entire life as I had known it for the past 30 years and go out into a world that I had been told was hostile and dangerous, because that's what they tell you inside, with no money, no job, no house, no friends, go to a strange city and just start my life anew at, at 58. That must have been incredibly difficult. The clip that we just heard, Jefferson, why don't you tell us about it? Um, well, I've done a number of, of interviews, but they, they had asked me, and I get asked this a lot, why didn't you just get up and walk out if they were physically abusing you and mentally abusing you? And, you know, as I said in, in the clip, uh, if you're a true believer in Scientology, you don't just get up and walk out. It's like if I were to ask you, why don't you just get up and leave this radio station and leave your family and walk off to another city? You would never do it without extreme, extreme provocation. And you have to get to the point where you're willing to just give up everything uh, and start an entirely new life. And I got to that point. So talk about who exactly you had to leave. I want to know, first of all, let's back up for a second. Mm -hmm. and, and before we do that, let's get our other guests on like this because you gentlemen know each other. And I think he brings a lot to this conversation because he helped set up that particular press conference, I believe, in Los Angeles. He did, yes. Okay. His name's Mark Bunker. Let's get him on the line. Mark, are you with us? I am. Okay. Well, welcome to the show. Mark Bunker, of course, is probably one of the smartest people and uh, knowledgeable people, I would think, as a, a crusader, I want to call him. He's an Emmy award-winning filmmaker. He's got a new film about Scientology fraud called Knowledge Report, which he's working on right now. He's going to talk about it a little later. But if you're interested in this subject and really wanting to learn about the inner workings of what is going on in this criminal underworld, so it seems at this point, XenuTV.com, that's X-E-N-U-T-V.com. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for doing the show. And uh, it's great to hear uh, Jeff in the studio there, too, because he's one of the uh, I, I think he brings, a, you know, a valuable perspective that I can't uh, bring. As an outsider, uh, I'm looking at the abuses that um, seem just shocking to me. But Jeff has that perspective of, you know, how uh, how do you how do you get trapped in this and how impossible it is to get away. Yeah, and you know, I really want to get to that because there's this problem that the public has with perception, and I'm going to ask you about that in a moment, Jeff. But what I want to ask you right now is, what was it about Scientology that's, that was so appealing from the get-go for you? Is, For instance, in Los Angeles, to me, it seemed like a big networking fest for actors. Mm -hmm. there, there is that. I mean, I got involved in Scientology back in the late 60s. 
And there was a lot of that sort of spiritual search, and people were looking for answers, and they were looking for something that would, you know, solve their problems and give them some insight into what the world and the universe was all about. And I had tried many different things, and I finally settled on Scientology, and it seemed to make sense. And they have things like, uh, you know, communication drills and, you know, helping you get along with people. And I thought, oh, this is great. Plus, they were anti-war, and I was anti-war. And I thought, good, this is a group uh, of like-minded people that I can join with. And so I did, you know. Well, their practices from the get-go had to be rather strange to you. When you start learning, and again, I don't want to rehash. For most of the people, Martin Bashir, the BBC, um, Today is it today tonight in Australia? Mm-hmm. They've done a fantastic job of covering, uh, trying to uncover a lot of what I'm talking about with you today. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to rehash, but people are sitting here at home going, really smart, intelligent people, e meters, um, all kinds of strange science fiction type talk. You must have been exposed to that, and thought to yourself at some point. What's going on here? But part of that must have felt good. I guess uh, the people involved attracted you because of their personalities. It seems like they get a lot of good-looking people involved, young people. There was a lot of, uh, of really bright young people involved at the point where I got involved. And you have to remember that the strangest stuff is kept from Scientologists themselves, and they only learn about it after they've been involved in the subject for you know, 10 or 15 years and have invested uh, up to hundreds of thousands of dollars. And at that point, they lay the really strange stuff on them. And, uh, you know, at that point, you're so enmeshed in the subject that you go along with it because you think, well, it's worked for me up to this point. And now they lay all this, uh, you know, science fiction stuff on you and you, you, you tend to go with it. Some people don't. But. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and Mark, you'll know more about this because after the break, what I'm going to do is play a clip from Jason Begay, uh, a very famous actor. And here's, here's the issue. The stars versus the Scientology sheep, I call it, okay, to the public perception, um, who seem to believe uh, – for me, the stars are the last stronghold for the church in so many ways. Jason Begay, Paul Haggis, director of Crash, director of, uh, uh, what was it, Million Dollar Baby? Yep. Okay, recently came out this past year, and have really helped start to solve this issue about why the, the stars don't seem to have any issue with what all these Scientology, what I call the, the sheep of Scientology, the flock, are saying, which is these horrible stories. Um, Travolta, Cruz, uh, are they afraid to speak? Are are they afraid of being ruined by the church? And one of the things that someone threw at me as a theory, and we can get to Begay after the break and play his clip, Mark, is that perhaps these stars, and we haven't heard them say a word about Debbie Cook as far as I know. Right. They've been absolutely silent. Um, and if you can tell me about a Miscavige interview besides this Ted Koppel one, I'd love to see it. He, have, he's never given one. He is a very secretive man. He is, yes. So what I'm sitting here thinking is, and somebody threw this to me. This was not my concept. And, Mark, I want you to process this and answer it after the break. All is, right. the, is the following. Are these stars, Travolta, Cruz, Kirsty, are they afraid to talk because they have so much video from the auditing process on them? about their sexual preferences, about their dreams, that they could ruin them in a heartbeat? Have they been threatened? 
Is that why they're silent, or are they just absolutely hypnotized to this? Are they have been they have they been sucked in that hard that they really believe that everyone else is lying? We're talking about hundreds of people now. We're gonna go to the Jason Begay clip when we come back because Mark Bunker was the quintessential person involved with bringing that to light, in my opinion. This is Mad as Hell in America with Jesse Singer. Don't go anywhere. It gets stranger, folks. Klugman is terrific. Klugman is dynamite. Klugman is Klugman. Klugman is terrific. He's fantastic. This is Jesse Singer filling in for the Klugman. He'll be back next week after he teaches some Democrats how to act responsibly out in Humboldt County. Okay, we're talking Scientology and some things that they're probably making your head spin about now. The point is, there's a lot of points to be made today, but one of the points I want to bring up is that they were able to achieve this nonprofit status. And I think... When we were talking during the break, Jefferson and I, Mark, we were talking about what's the end game here. Obviously, this thing is starting to come down. And what I asked Jefferson was, it seems like they have so many structures that they seem to be buying up. And I said to him, are these places just empty shells trying to make them look larger than life? And he told me that they are. They're actually just empty buildings, a lot of them. And I thought that was really interesting. It is an amazing scam that they're working on now with this, what they call the ideal orgs. Uh, these are the empty buildings that are being opened all around the world. And what's happening is this is, this is a new cash cow for the Church of Scientology. They force the local parishioners to raise the money to buy these buildings and rehab them. And then once they've done so, then those local people have to turn the, the, the deed for that property over to the Church of Scientology. So Scientology themselves have not invested any money in those empty buildings. The local parishioners have paid for it all. And once Scientology owns the buildings, then they charge those same parishioners rent for using those buildings. So uh, and these poor people who who really believe in L. Ron Hubbard and believe in this technology, they're investing everything that they have into this shell game. What usually happens is these areas, like in Portland, will have a very small, modest uh, group of people working in a modest building. Uh, and when they open these brand-new, lavish, ideal orgs, there's the same amount of people. So you've got these empty edifices that are doing nothing but enriching the corporate church at the expense of the parishioners. And time and time again, the people who are most abused by the Church of Scientology are the Scientologists themselves. And that is what uh, I think many of us are trying to point out to the Scientologists. But they are unwilling to look at what the real problems are until generally those problems are crushing them personally down sure. so much that they're forced to face it. Well, it makes sense. You know, I mean, organically, we talked about this last week, 
until something hits you in the head, whether it be cancer or, or crime, it's not something that you really pay attention to very much. And that's natural psychology. I understand that. Well, uh, you, you were talking about uh, celebrities, and I know we'll get into this, but the, the people who join Scientology, including the celebrities, are not stupid. Jeff is not stupid. And this is something that I've learned as I've been looking into Scientology. It's a quagmire, yeah. It's something that I've learned since I've been looking into it in the late 90s. My first thought was, well, you find out what Scientology, what the mythology is, and you believe, well, these people have to be idiots to believe this. <laughs> but then as you dig into it more, you see, well, no, these are some of the brightest, most capable people that you could ever meet, and that's who they're targeting. They're trying to find people who are smart and dedicated and want a purpose in life. People like Jeff who were, you know, against the war. Uh, what, what they'll do is when you meet Scientology, and you can meet them in, in many different ways, whether it's on the street with one of those young people you mentioned who's giving a personality test or stress test, mm-hmm. or whether you meet them in a business seminar where they're training chiropractors and dentists how to run their office, or a drug rehab program like Narconon. Anytime you meet Scientology, it's all leading to the same thing, getting you into the church and getting you on what they call the bridge to total freedom, which is their increasingly expensive series of self-help courses that are going to teach you how to be a better person. So what Scientology is doing when they first meet you is, is what they call finding your ruin, finding the one thing in your life that's really troubling you and saying, we have an answer for that. Yeah, your soft spot. Right. Uh, you're having problems communicating? We've got a course for that. You're shy? Let's help you with that. Uh, any problem that you might have, whether it's relationship, business, whatever, they've got a course for that. And so you start on this train, and it starts moving, and nothing looks really that odd at the beginning. And you're surrounded by people who are love-bombing you, who are all smiling and happy and wonderful and saying, isn't this great? This is what you were looking for. This is what the world needs, really. We're, we're going to solve the problem of, of war and insanity, and we want you to help us. And you get wrapped up in this. And they, do, they, they teach everything in what they call gradients, meaning you can't learn the next level until you've, you, you know, two levels from now until you've done the next level. Uh, so there's always more to unravel. Which costs more and it, money. And it doesn't, yeah, right. And also and, and, uh, that you're not supposed to share within, I imagine. So there's a lot of secrecy within the church itself as far as not if you're OT, and we're going to talk about what an OT level is. Right. Uh, is, right. It stands for Jeff. OT stands for? Operating Thetan. Correct. Uh, the spirit uh, is called the Thetan in Scientology, which is like the your spiritual essence. Uh, and then operating means able to operate without, with or without a body. Correct. So, and, and, and so back to Mark's point, uh, each level that you get to costs a, an enormous amount of money to achieve. Correct, Mark? Well, it gets more and more expensive as you go along. When your your first course is going to be maybe thirty fifty bucks, and you say, okay, well, I'm getting some benefit from that, and they have a lot of built-in mechanisms to to make you realize that you're getting benefit from it. Like at the end of every course, you actually have to write up what they call your win. So you so you you put in on paper 
what you achieve from that course. So you have to sit down and say, well, I learned how to communicate better by this and the other thing. Then if you're ever disgruntled in the future and you're having, starting to have some doubts, they can pull out your wins and say, well, look at all the wonderful things you've, you've achieved so far. You don't want to toss this all away. There's more amazing things coming up. Uh, and that's a, a very clever control mechanism. And there are a lot of those type of controlled mechanisms built into Scientology, so much so that um, you're talking about the celebrities. Why would Tom Cruise or, or John Travolta or Greta Van Susteren of yes. Fox News, why would these people not look at all of these outrageous stories that are in the press all the time, especially especially Greta Van Susteren, who's supposedly in news, although it's Fox. It's mind-boggling. It, it, how, how can you keep your eyes closed? Well, it's because you want to keep your eyes closed. Uh, one of the reasons you do that is because one of the things they do in Scientology uh, are do these security checks, what they call sec checks, when you're put on a meter, e-meter, which is like a, a very crude lie detector. And they're going to ask you, have you ever had a negative thought about that, Ron Hubbard? Have you ever uh, committed a crime? And, and they're going to grill you, as Jeff mentioned, uh, on all of these supposed crimes you have, these things are going to show up and they're going to cause you trouble. They, 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 they um, may cost you a lot of money because you're going to have to pay to, for the, the, the privilege of being sex-checked. You're going to have to do courses over again. So you, you kind of shut your mind down from these negative things so they won't show up on them. Well, you're describing your classic cult-like tactical maneuvers. I mean, I had a relative who was a cult, uh, culty programmer uh, back in the 60s. And there were so many cults going on. These are the kind of tactics they use. Exhaustion, um, right. massive amounts of information, happiness. Plus, Absolutely. Go ahead, Jefferson. You're taught in, in Scientology that if you have any critical thoughts against uh, the, the Scientology leaders or against L. Ron Hubbard or against the subject, it's because it's your own fault. It's because of your own crimes that you are trying to keep hidden. So if you if someone is critical or speaks out or tries to leave or depart a course or something like that, they say, well, that's that's you. That's your fault. That's because of your crimes and the things you're trying to hide from us. So we'll get you into another confessional session and you can cough all this stuff up. And so people just shy away from any criticism and shy away from, uh, you know, any negative thoughts because they know this is what's going to happen to them. Absolutely. And that's part of, I think, the, the, the fear here. And a lot of people might say, hey, look, they do that in the Mormon church. They do that in some of the other churches. This is way different, what we're talking about. We haven't even scratched the surface of what we're going to get involved with, talking about what happened to Jefferson physically. And many of the executives, I'm not even talking about the sheeple Scientology folks, I'm talking about the hierarchy being physically abused by management. Coming back after the break, we're going to get into some stars that are angry, voice their opinion, especially Jason Begay, thanks to Mark. We'll be right back. We're talking about Scientology with two amazing gentlemen that have the guts to talk about it. This is Jesse Singer. You're listening to Mad as Hell in America. We'll be right back. Some of your favorite stars are in the Church of Scientology. Very mysterious, quote-unquote, religion. 
classified by the IRS, this government, tax-exempt. They don't pay a dime, folks. You're struggling right now? Well, guess who isn't? When you hear in the next hour what's being done to children inside the church, what's being done to families, what's been done to my guest in the studio here, Jefferson Hawkins, and you're going to want to get his book, that's for sure. I can't wait to read it myself. I just got a copy. Counterfeit Dreams is the name of it, and it's available on Amazon, correct? Okay, you're going to want to get a copy of that. Now, what I want to do right now is play a clip that I think is going to really open your eyes because, Mark, we discussed a lot of these stars being the quintessential factor in helping achieve some level of clarity, if not, can I use the word clear, to make that appropriate in in the confines, in the construct of the average American. And the word clear is a term, if you don't know, that is utilized by in Scientology as a level to get to, to try to mental, mentally, what, set yourself? Well, it's it, it, the idea is that you clear away all of your past trauma and bad experiences and you become revitalized. Right. Let's listen to Jason Begay. If you don't know Jason Begay, Mark, introduce what I'm about to play here. Back in 2008, I think it was, Jason Begay was uh, an actor who had left the group and he wanted to do an interview. Um, actually, Andreas Heldo Lund, who has the major um, anti-Scientology website, Zulu.net, he hooked, he hooked me up with Jason, and I went to sit down, and we talked for about three hours. Uh, and he was very open about his experiences, and I'm, uh, I'll be surprised if you found a clip that you didn't have to bleep, because he is, he is a colorful person. He's a New York um, type of guy. He's my kind of right. guy. He's a straight-talking guy, and he's, he's hysterical. He's wondering. He's a nice guy. Uh, again, a very smart guy. Got, got sucked into Scientology through the Celebrity Center. How much, uh, did, he, through, how much did he chuck to him? About a million? I think, he, I think he's donated about a million dollars. Yeah, just year. about a million. They don't pass around the yeah. hat in Scientology, right? They just write checks. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, so he, was, he was bold enough to be one of the first uh, celebrities to actually say, well, this is crap, you know, uh, and, and uh, you know, we got we to gotta put this, a stop to some of this stuff. I, I don't think he's totally opposed to Scientology. There are a whole bunch of people who have left the organization now who consider themselves independent Scientologists, and I'm not going to um, speak on, on Jason's behalf in that regard. Um, but... Most people who leave are too frightened to speak out, or well, have been. Yeah, and, and, he, and obviously has, he wasn't. Uh, and, and let's right. let's play the clip because it really speaks for itself. Here's a guy, like I said, he's as Billy Joel would say, he's got a New York state of mind. He's not afraid to tell you exactly what he thinks of Scientology. How many years was he in? Uh, uh, he was, boy, I think, at least fifteen years, fifteen, or seventeen, like yeah, something yeah. like that. I mean, th- this yeah. guy uh, got to the same level, OT level, as. Travolta. Right. And we're talking about a guy in movies like G.I. Jane, good-looking guy, on the top of his game, the exact type of guy that they would go after to try to suck in and be surrounded by his peers at the Celebrity Center. How many churches do you know have a Celebrity Center, for Christ? That's the silliest thing i ever heard of. What do they have, caviar and massage chairs? I mean— Practically, yeah. I would imagine so. Yeah. And, and, you know, Haggis, when he came out of— uh, we were talking during the break, Mark. It was kind of a cop-out to me because here's a guy who's got the gift for words, and he's angry about uh, not only the church's take on homosexuality, right, but he was angered mm-hmm. about some of the uh, horrible things he had heard 
that were being done to the sheeple of Scientology, the workers, the Sea Org, the people who make $50 a month for working 50-hour uh, days and uh, uh, 50-hour or 70-hour work weeks and such with no sleep and give all their money to the church. Yet, where is he now? And I think Begay took it to the next level, the level that needs to— to, for it to be taken to for people to open their eyes. Let's go ahead and run the clip there. Uh, now to Scientology's best kept secret. The celebrity cult has long preached stories about aliens infecting humankind. But tonight in a world exclusive, you'll hear Scientology founder L. Ron Hubbard explaining the story of Xenu the alien in his own words. Brian Seymour has the story. And they had elected a fellow by the name of Zemu, uh, could be spelled X-E-M-U, to the supreme ruler. And they were about to unelect him. It's been Scientology's most fiercely guarded secret. There is a base on this planet, and it is so shredded away as to be hardly recognizable. This audio tape was recorded in 1968 as Scientology founder L. Ron Hubbard gave a lecture to the faithful. I don't you know believe in that, aliens? That Do is, you believe in aliens? I've I, I, never heard of it in all my three generations. Okay. Sobrano and her husband Lee Rogers maintain they know nothing about Xenu. Yet Hollywood star Jason Begay does. The actor left Scientology last year after 13 years inside. One of several high-ranking former Scientologists who confirmed to us that this audio recording is authentic. Is it during OT3, operating Thetan Level 3, yeah. that, that, that level of study, that they hit you with the story about Xenu the alien? Yes, uh, that's, that's when you first come into, contract, come, come into contact with the, uh, with the Xenu uh, story. According to Hubbard, it all began with an alien leader named Xenu on a planet which formed a galactic federation with 21 adjacent stars and 75 other planets. After some kind of revolt, Xenu collected the renegade aliens, or Thetans. They threw them into collection points, boxed them up in boxes, threw them into space planes, which are the exact copy, DC-8s, the DC-8 airplane is the exact copy of the space plane of that day. It didn't take them long to get to planet Tegiak. Sorry, Earth. The length of time from the planet Coltis to the planet Tegiak, which is the name of this planet, was nine weeks. Then they dumped them and then they set off hydrogen bombs on the top of each primary volcano. Everybody has uh, problems and troubles and travails in their life and, and spiritual, emotional, psychological issues. And Scientology understands the real source of these which is that you're inhabited by space aliens scientology promises it can teach you how to control matter energy space and time yet no one has ever achieved it if scientology is real then something's up because it ain't delivering what it's promised that's for goddamn sure so there's someone who's actually going the extra mile in my opinion Okay, Begay, by telling you, look, the story of Xenu is something that the public is totally confused about at this point, Jefferson and Mark. Mm -hmm. And here's why, and it's probably done on purpose from a marketing standpoint, you'd be able to speak to, sure. because the church has to deny this story. Tommy Davis always denies it, right? The spokesman 
where I don't even think he is the spokesman any longer. He hasn't been seen in quite a while. Yeah, and he did a terrible job because the guy would usually end up walking out. Exactly. You know, which is a great thing to do to lose your cool when you're supposed to be the spokesman for a church. But they seem to deny the story while everyone else says otherwise as soon as they leave. So you got to think to yourself, who's telling the truth? Now, far be it from me to say, hey, look, if you believe in aliens and you believe that you're— uh, possessed by th- Thetans or whatnot, it doesn't really matter to me. But why lie about it? Right. And that's where I think w- w- where Begay is, is really breaking the ice here. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, the reality is that he's hitting them in their pocketbook because they charge a lot for the, the levels of operating Thetan number three and above, and they're all based on the Xenu story. So if they're if the faithful if the rank and file scientologists find out uh that this is what they're going to be doing when they reach that level they could just walk off and say i don't want any part of uh, of this type of thing so the the church wants to keep it a secret for a marketing reason which is t- to have this secret body of data that they can tantalize people with and only reveal after they've put a lot of money into it. You have what's called a sunk cost bias, mm-hmm. where if somebody spent a lot of money on something, they're going to have a bias towards believing it and, and thinking that it's true. Because, well, it cost me so many you know, tens of thousands of dollars. It must be true. You know, and this is the kind of factor they're dealing with. It's amazing. Mark, uh, please comment on this. By the time you've reached OT3, you have agreed to believe in L. Ron Hubbard as an infallible person. If there's something wrong with Scientology, as Jeff mentioned, it's you. So you're you're gradually agreeing with more and more and more. If you just walked in off the street and and they said, hey, we believe uh, you were blown up in a volcano uh, by Zeu, and we can help you with that, you'd walk away. Jason said something to me about the Zenu story in my interview with him that that I thought was interesting because I asked him specifically, when you went in, you read this material, what was your reaction? And he said, you know, I um, I thought it was a little odd, but then you know, there's there's we I believe that we're spiritual beings, and there's all these other mythologies about spirits, and I don't know, you know, I just assumed it was Hubbard's you know, a little fable about, um, the, you know, the origins of, uh, right. of our problems. So he didn't, you know, it, it, like most people in religions, you're picking and choosing. You know, you, you may believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, but you may not believe in a, a, a Adam and Eve. Yeah, I, I see your point on that, and especially in the environment. Scientology uh, is supposed to be based in science, though, not just... Well, and and Hubbard came up with these stories. I think I think we got we got a hard break. Let's come back when we come back. Broadcasting live here from Planet Tikiak. We're talking about Scientology with two men who probably know more about it than most people in this city, if not the entire country. This is Mad as Hell in America. I'm Jesse Singer. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> 